love, community, healing. This is all life with magic. Life with magic. Life with magic. Life with magic. Welcome to the show, everybody. We are super excited for this conversation that we're going to do a deep dive in. My guest for today is Coach Yema, who is an affirming spirituality and sexuality coach, a speaker, and an author. Her work is rooted in the belief that LGBTQ plus Christians can live with the confidence and certainty that they're in the right standing with God. Yema's coaching programs are designed for people who are struggling to accept that they were created this way and for people who are seeking courage and insight as they go through the process of unpacking the shame, guilt, and fear of being queer Christians. The intention for this episode is to have a conversation that explores the complexities of dismantling and rebuilding our relationship with God and the Bible, specifically from the lens of people who are LGBTQIA+. The hope is to continue building a community of people from different walks of life who are connected by respect, understanding, and love. There's been a lot of people in the media in political offices, and other places of power that are using the trans- their translations of the word of God to fuel hate towards gender expansive beings and anyone they believe to be a sinner. And I feel like the time to start addressing the root of these power struggles is now. With all that being said, I'm going to give the floor to Coach Ima so she can kind of tell us a bit about her work and what it is that she does exactly. Thank you so much, Magic. I'm so excited to be here. This is amazing. I feel so honored. Um, my work is pretty much what you said, and it's from the lens of experiencing the divine outside of religion. And so what we see in the media today and what we are arguing about in politics has very little to do with the experience of the individual, which is what my focus is. And so there's always going to be this larger conversation that makes our identities, our relationships, just an idea just a, uh, a topic of conversation. And they're the people who are dealing with it very real and intimately day to day in their lives or in homes and relationships and situations where those political conversations don't have a direct effect on them beyond creating more distance and space in between the people that they love and the experiences that they want. And so my work is really focused on that person. Um, and so what I tell the people who are very much rightly fit into fighting the political battles is that you you guys are on the front lines. You're taking care of this battle that we have going on with the outside world who are trying to take away our rights. And my job is I'm the person who's doing the triage behind the front lines and taking care of the people in their hearts and healing them because we need heal whole people who are in their divinity and in their humanity without feeling the need that they have to separate the two. So that really is the the core of the work that I do. I love that. And I think the layers of the people who are doing the work, because it's so, like everything is so complex. Not all of us are activists. Not all of us are, you know, some of us are healers. And it's like, we fight the battle. We're fighting the same battle, but from like a different perspective. So it's really great to be in this conversation because I think part of the, my struggle as someone who's like, I'm vocal, but not in the way that like, I'm not going to be debating politics Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be talking about the humanity of things and being like listen regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum or any other you know 
thing that grounds you and you like your fundamental beliefs. It's like the thing that I'm arguing for yeah. is love. And I'm just like, how do we get back to the to the basics? And like, so your work as a healer or I'm calling Thank you a you. healer, but like your work as mm-hmm. a healer, how did your own journey with your sexual identity influence that? Wow. Um, that began even when I didn't have a name for it. And I didn't know to call it that it was a journey of my sexuality. I've always known that I was called to talk about and teach on sexuality from college. Um, I took a course called Human Sexuality and sitting in that class, although it was senior year, so I couldn't change my schedule and go do something different. I was like, this feels like what I've been called to do. I want to talk about this. Um, And at the time in Philly, it was not legal for people to be married of the same gender. And so at that time, I was very much about the political, I want to go and change the the laws. And just from a practical standpoint, people who are paying taxes should have the same rights as everybody else. And so that was from that lens. Um, and it was also around the same time I was discovering and really stepping into the fact that I actually am bisexual and I fall in love with people of other genders um, and the same genders as well. And so having all of that come together and my faith at the time being very much in the background because I was in college, I'm taking the intellectual heritage course and they're telling me that Jesus Christ is just another form of a higher state of consciousness. And so I was like, oh, cool, like, great. Like we can fight this battle, right? And then something traumatic happens in my life at the age of 25, and I go back to what my traditions was, which was go lean on God. And so at the time, I was like, I can't have sex with anybody. I don't care what the gender is. I'm going to be celibate. And that was a seven-year journey that took me to Bible college and all of this stuff. And the idea of being someone who fell in love with women, and that was my testimony. That wasn't who I was at the time. It was my testimony. Like it was my past. Right. And so here I am I'm loving God. I'm having dates with Jesus. You know, I'm um, serving the Lord. I mean, I've given my whole life to God. I'm in Bible college. Like I'm doing the thing. Right. And then I get there and I fall in love with a woman. And it's just like, wait a minute. Okay. Right. Like God, what happened? They told me like back then that if I were to do all these things, if I'm filled with the spirit, if I'm speaking in tongues and I'm laying hands and healing people, which are all things that are evident in my life, that there is no way that the spirit of homosexuality could exist in me. And so how is it possible now that I'm in love with this woman, right? And it was, they call it deconstruction now, um, but it was the beginning of that process for me of realizing, well, someone's lying to me. So either <laughs> these pastors are lying or God is God. Like, I don't know who's lying to me, but somebody's lying to me and I need to find the truth. And so that began the process of me learning um, who God is and not really who God is, but God's perspective on sex and sexuality and all of that. And in this process, um, people are surprised to know this, but it was God who called me out. You know, God said, when are you going to accept yourself? that I made you this way. It was in that relationship with God that I was able to fully affirm myself because God affirmed me first. And so now learning who God is through those lenses is seeing God as the one who first affirmed me. I didn't get affirmed by people in my outer society or in church or family or from a pastor or whoever, right? It was in that very personal relationship with God 
which is why the work that I do now is about having a personal relationship with God. Because even though I had read the books and I was doing all the research, that did not convince me because I still wasn't sure if these people were lying because my question still was, who's lying to me? I don't want to live a lie, right? And so the only way that I could believe was I had to hear it from that familiar voice that I knew and called God. And that's where it happened. So that's my journey, really. And that is still where I am. I'm still looking to hear from that familiar voice that I call God. I think that's really powerful that the first affirmation that you got was yeah. from God and like your personal relationship and the di dismantling that part of like when you're going to mm -hmm. church and you're just like something isn't yeah. adding up. Like I'm reading this and then mm -hmm. you're saying this. And like for me, it was like going to church and I was like, I know we have, you know, the man of God who are appointed yeah. to speak to God. It's, so it's like they're closer mm -hmm. to God. So like whatever they're saying is like God is like mm -hmm. yelling in their ear and like we're getting quiet mm -hmm. whispers where it's like you can have your own relationship with God and the way that which you understand God. It's like a lot of us get stuck at that point of like mm -hmm. who's lying. All of y'all <laughs> right. are lying. I'm out, you know, and then we just like abandon yeah. the whole shit. We're like, fuck right. all of this. And so it's really powerful for you to go through that process and be like that self-examination and then examining your outer environment and being like, something mm -hmm. ain't adding up. And now I'm going to do the due diligence of making the things fall yeah. in alignment. And I really think, cause a lot of trauma, a lot of people in the queer community, there's like, we have stories of like, yeah, I come from the church and this is how I was traumatized mm -hmm. by the church. And this is why I left and completely you know, walked away from that, mm -hmm. which is okay. But I think the reason that this conversation was so important to me, it's because I know that there are other people struggling to be like, okay, something yeah. isn't adding up and I don't know how to align myself in a way that the outer world and the inner world can make sense, you know? Cause it's like, everyone says I'm this way. So they label me right. as a sinner. And then the Bible tells me that yeah. God loves all, or like, you know, you're reading something and you're like, but doesn't this also mm -hmm. apply to me? You know, the, the things that they pick and choose to talk about how much, you know, homosexuality yeah. is a sin. And then they point to specific verses, but you're like, but what yeah. about the next verse? Or what about this other one? How come you're choosing mm -hmm. this to be your ammunition against me? And I'm coming here being like, what about everything yeah. else about love? Do we also disqualify that? And I think something powerful that I heard on one of your podcasts, you were talking about the ways in which translations have changed mm -hmm. over time and the way that they reflect so much of the environment and the society and who was translating and why they were translating. So I would love for you to share your knowledge on that a bit and kind of give it context to like the battles that are yeah. being fought now were right. fought before, um, you know? So first of all, the, um, the word homosexual or homosexuality wasn't actually in the Bible until 1946, which is a very recent time. Like my dad was born in 1948. So this is not that long ago. Um, part of the reason why we think we're up against this huge mountain of years and years of biblical scholarship is because we just don't realize how really very soon, like very recently that they've started having these conversations and putting this word homosexual into the Bible and into conversation. It's not that long ago, right? And it was because of the society at the time. Because before, when the Bible was written, even the idea of homosexuality did not exist in the way that it exists now, where people are having monogamous or non-monogamous, but loving, committed relationship 
with someone of the same gender. And one of the words that I love to track through is just the word, the phrase sexual immorality, because that oftentimes become, becomes synonymous with being gay or being queer and like you're sexually immoral and people come to me and they're like, I just, I love this person. I don't mean, I don't want to have sex with them. Right. And it's because we've been bombarded with this message that this is all about sex and you're perverse and all of these things. But the word sexual immorality, the original term was speaking to men who were going out and paying for sex. It had nothing to do with what we've turned it into now, what we call fornication, which is any form of sexual activity before marriage. That is not in any little bit what that word or what the intent of the original writers were speaking to. But because of our society, which is going to happen in society, as you progress and society changes, you start to interpret these sacred texts in relation to where you are in society on your timeline at the time. And so if we are not aware of that, we think because they are translating sexual immorality as fornication today in 2023, that must have been what it was when they wrote it in 30 AD. And that is just not true, right? And so there is a academic eye that we have to have when we're reading or studying the Bible or studying scripture, which unfortunately a majority of our pastors <laughs> who are preaching <laughs> are not given that eye, right? Of where they're able to teach the spiritual truths without being affected by this political agenda that they have. And if we're able to have that historical academic eye of saying, number one, two questions, who wrote this and who were they writing to, right? If we look at the verse, for example, Leviticus 18, that talks about if a man lays with a man, then they should be um, put to death. That famous queer scripture, right? Well, it's not queer to us. It's queer to them, right? It's not about us at all, right? But that mm -hmm. we can now say, oh, that must have been talking about homosexuality and people being gay. But that was not the conversation they were having. They were speaking to a man behaving as a woman and acting as if like being that submissive role because that's how they viewed femininity in this culture specifically the jewish culture at the time and anything that would put you in the role of being the submissive partner to someone was not okay that was something that was very much frowned upon and so in the jewish culture culture you can um put a magnifying glass on that part of it but then if you expand it, right, to the other cultures at the time that were occurring, um, you'll understand that those laws were written in reaction to the other cultures who were worshiping a female god. So now that you see, right, it's not so much about, oh, God hates homosexuality. No, it's the Jewish priest who wrote this book that were in attempt in attempt to create a culture around this male deity were writing laws in direct opposition to the female worship that was happening at the time. Now, does this mean that now I don't need to read the Bible and receive any wisdom from it? No, right? It still works today, the parts of it that are spiritual and powerful, because it's what has always worked from eternity, because God really doesn't change, even if you dress it up, right? And I don't want to use this word, but like bastardize it and make it into something make it look like you, like a white man with a long beard, it doesn't change the fact that you didn't create it. These truths, right, about love, about compassion, about loving your neighbor, 
these were not things that you created out of your mind. These were things that existed already and you reinterpreted it and fit it into your belief system that you were trying to impose on the people who were following you, right? And so it's kind of, it can feel heady, mm -hmm. but it's like we have to have informed conversations about our faith. And if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it and how it got to where it is now, right? You're not, I mean, I guess you're a believer, but mostly you're a follower, right? And so mm. we now have to take yeah. accountability and control of our faith and how that looks. Um, and that can be very scary. Uh, and so I've even had one of my um, clients said, I'm afraid to keep asking questions because what if I keep asking questions and this God that I believe doesn't exist, right? And so my response is, wouldn't you rather know? Mm -hmm. Right? So. Right. The asking question part is the part yeah. that's so frowned upon in mm -hmm. most churches when you come with any type of like analytical yeah. anything where you're mm -hmm. just like, do you know who wrote the Bible? Do mm -hmm. you know where it came from? Do you know who translated right. this version that you're holding compared to the yeah. other versions that exist? Do you know that there are characters that were left out, mm -hmm. stories that were left out? Do you wonder why right. these things were left out? You know, I think that's where people are just like, stop questioning. And then they go back to fear, 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 fear. And now you end up, you know, being mm -hmm. afraid of building an intimate relationship with God or your spirituality or the way in which you understand, you know, these questions that are too big yeah. for you to know, you know, because I think a lot of us go through life knowing that there's something bigger, but the, your mm -hmm. version of something bigger, which is white man up in yeah. the sky with the mm -hmm. gray beard, you're just like, that doesn't right. make sense to me. And I know that like, specifically here in Kenya where it's like you go into someone's house and you see the posters of Jesus and me being me I'm like right. you know who painted that picture that's not Jesus but like in their minds mm -hmm. they are this is they're fixated on these images and they're fixated on these ideas and they're fixated on the idea that like yeah don't question it you know so the fact that you encourage your, your clients and the people that you speak with question it until you you know that like your understanding came from a place of like Mm -hmm. You analyzed it. You took time mm -hmm. to ask what if, and you're not afraid of what happens yeah. when you ask what if and what if and what if, and then you yeah. end up in this spiral of like, everything <laughs> I know is a lie, but there's some truth yeah. in there. Because I feel like the spiral goes and goes and you end up in the same yeah. place. You're just like, fuck, I just hit another road, right. another roadblock. And it's like, mm -hmm. is everything a lie? And that, that I think that's the scariest that part is. for a lot of people who are so yeah. deeply indoctrinated where they're just like, if this is a lie, mm -hmm. what else is a lie? You know, and they're afraid of going mm -hmm. into the abyss. They're afraid of going into the yeah. existential crisis of like, everyone yeah. is lying to me. And everyone and probably is. They lied to get in right. power. And I think, uh, well, I know, I'm very confident that the spiral ends with you meeting God because we can't escape God. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, the thing that people are attracted to me about is I'm very confident that there is no direction that you can go in where you're going to miss it. Um, because number one, your body is your first evidence that you were created by something very intelligent, mm. right? That the way, I mean, I'm a bio major. Um, and so I came to the first parts of me owning that I actually believed in a God in an ecology class when I'm sitting there and they're explaining to me how the ecosystem worked 
and how the symbiotic relationships between animals and plants. I'm like, this did not just happen, but there was not a big bang. And then everything came into this <laughs> level of order, right? It just didn't make sense to me. So just analytically right. looking at the world around me, I'm like, there is a creator. It just doesn't make any sense for it to be any other way. Right. And so having the existential crisis mm -hmm. is important because, um, and obviously if you're not feeling safe about that, please do this with a therapist and all of, you know, all of that. Um, but you're going to run into God because that is the beginning. You're not lost. You're, you can never be lost. You're literally living in it. As you're breathing in right now, you're breathing in existence that created you. Like it's, it permeates everything that we do and we are. So you can't, um, we can't be lost. You won't be lost in this. And right. it's, a, it's a shedding. The asking the questions of the what if is a shedding in order to reveal, not to take away. It's almost like the image of God has smudges that religion has put on it. And what we're doing is we're grabbing our what if um, rag and we're rubbing away the, the smudges because we want to see, right. we want to see God, right? Um, that's the work. And it's beautiful. It's really exciting. It's like the best trip ever. It really is. <laughs> I, I agree. Even yeah. though I'm not Christian myself, I grew yeah. up in a Christian household. And I was, you know, in Bible study, I was doing the thing. I was in the youth dance group. Like I was, mm -hmm. I was deep in that shit. And then the moment I started coming into myself as a queer person, yeah. I started dressing differently. And the first rumors mm -hmm. were in the church and they were trying to have a prayer circle for me. They mm -hmm. were trying to do all these things. And then I moved away from that. But there was still this part of me who remains yeah. very spiritual because I'm just like, there's no way that yeah. I just came to be yeah. by just like the snap of a finger. I look around. And then I'm just like, the way life is created, you know, I love spending time in nature and I just sit there and I'm just like, when you look at the stars and you're just yeah. like, there's something out there, you know, regardless of which path you walk, which faith you lean on, which form of spirituality like resonates with you. Just that deep understanding of yeah. like, I'm not alone in the sense of like, when I hear my conscious, it's like, how is right. it that I'm talking to myself while I'm yeah. just sitting here in silence, you know, like. And and the reason why I'm like, the conscious is such a big part of like what connects us. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like in my head, I'm like, if I feed my conscious, just scary things, yeah. that's all I'm going to think about. If I feed it spiritual things, if I feed it, you know, things that are soothing to me, that's what then becomes the voice. But there are other times where I sit and I'm just like, there's moments of inspiration as an artist where you just like, yeah. that idea came from somewhere. I didn't, I don't know how it got planted in here, but this calling to go do this mm -hmm. thing. Then, then when you do it, you just like, yo, yeah. is this my purpose? You know, those little tiny things where you just like, there's something that is in control in a way. There's yeah. something that lives within me. And like the way that I view God, yeah. it's mm -hmm. spirituality for me. And God is this force that mm -hmm. no words can describe. There's no way that you can tell me that your understanding of God is the one and only way in the truth where I'm just like, we might be <laughs> speaking English, but right. your English is different than my English. Like we... Yeah. We're looking at the same photo, but you're looking at it from a different lens. And that's with everything. So I'm like, when it comes to God, I'm just like, the people that are so yeah. loud with it are the people that are carrying the fear and like their idea of like, you must be yeah. afraid. You must be terrified. You must never right. question. You must never do this. You must never do that. And it's, it's, it's wild, you know, because I believe that most mm -hmm. of us are spiritual in some way. 
whether it's like regardless of what you call it and i now call myself like yeah. i may call myself an agnostic where i'm like i believe that there's truth in all these different mm-hmm. religions that i've ever come across and the yeah. many that i know nothing about you know when i look into the east mm-hmm. and i'm like okay buddhism and i'm looking at the messages of love and i'm looking at the messages of this right. and i'm like that sounds familiar it's kind of right. like that other story that i read over here and oh you know the folks over mm-hmm. here have their own version of this it's just a different yeah. messenger so to speak. And I'm just like, if you focus on the truth, which is exactly echoing all around us, you know, it's like, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's everywhere. But I think, I think what I was saying was spirituality and religion. There's, there's a difference between yeah. being a follower, going to church, listening, and then looking at your pastor as if he's the only one that can hear the voice of God. And then just not believing in yourself enough to know that you also have the same ability and the same access to the voice, you know? And I guess the next question that I'm going to ask you is for the people who are deeply like scarred by religion, but they're still trying to find spirituality. What would, would you say? Give to them? them permission to walk away and take some time. It's okay to put away the Bible for a little bit. And if you need peace about believing that, um, the characters of the Bible didn't have a Bible. Moses didn't have a Bible. Abraham didn't have a Bible. Paul didn't have a Bible. Paul was right in complete opposition to what the Bible that he had, the Torah, said at the time. And so trusting that your ability to believe or see God is not is lesser in a sense, um, and you can submit that to God's ability to reveal God's self to you. So you can trust in God's self to reveal God's self to you greater than your ability to ability to believe it. You can rest, right? Like God has a really great resume on revealing herself, himself, themselves to you. It's okay. So if you're looking and wanting to move towards spirituality or just really having that connection with divinity, it's okay to walk away from the constructs that held you before. And to lay that down. It's not saying you're throwing it out and because we get really fearful about that. Well, I don't want to stop believing in Jesus and I don't want to walk away from the church. If that really means now they were right. Like I really am a reprobate. I really am walking away and I really need to be saved, right? It's okay. If God was able to reveal himself to Abraham, right? To Moses, um, to all of the different people that God revealed himself to or herself to in the Bible, and the millions of people that have come afterwards, you're no different, right? God is able, you're able to receive and to believe and walk in that truth. Because again, like we said earlier, it's everywhere. So for me, it took uh, time away from that, where I was like, God, I don't want to deal with any of this. I'm just going to go live this other life for a quick second and we'll have a little moment, okay? I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. So come on, let's go on the other side and have a good time. Um, And it's always in those moments when you, in uh, Christianity, will say when you've come to the end of yourself. But it's always in those moments when you're frustrated and tired of trying to figure it out that you hear. Because you finally stop. Your analytical mind finally stops. Right? And you can, you're now looking for a higher understanding, a higher hearing. Right? And you will hear. It's a natural thing because all of the fear that we've been giving about um, not asking questions and not um, going against the pastor, 
those constructs were put in place to keep the Roman society in check. Like there was a change of leadership and this person needed loyalty. And so he went through religion and now we still have the residual effects of that. So it's okay that to understand that this fear, this idea that there's someone closer to God than you doesn't even make sense if you actually sat down and thought about it. Why would God create me and then not be as close to me as someone else? That doesn't even like literally makes any sense, right? So if you were to understand that the way that the church is set up was set up this way to control and to maintain peace in order for someone to safely lead, which would have been whoever the person was in the Roman society at the time, right? So there is a layer of church culture that has to be acknowledged that is man-made. And then there is the higher of Mm -hmm. where there is a relationship that's been desired between you and the thing that created you, which we call God, right? Or you call goddess or you, who, whatever you call this creator, right? Desires relationship with you, desires to express through you into this world. And one of my most favorite things, and I love travel for this reason, is I go in search of God and other people in other cultures, right? Because God is amazing. God is colorful. Like I was walking the other day and I'm like, I'm here in Mexico and the trees have these pods. And when they get old, they fall to the ground and it could be something that you could pick up and turn into an instrument. And so my conversation to God was like, so how did it come from this into us knowing how to dance? Right. And those simple kind of like childlike curiosity is the place of where you build relationship with God. That's void of religion. And if you are a believer who believes in Jesus Christ, all of his work was to get you away from religion. He would very adamantly say those laws in the Old Testament, he would name them Moses's law. He never said God's law. He said Moses's law. But I have come. Right. You had that. But I have come. So that you can have this relationship so that you can understand that you are one with me, that I'm in you and you are in me and there's no separation. I walk with you. I walk in you, right? And you walk in me. That's the revelation. And so it's like having those um, curious conversations just by looking at the world around you, right? is so beautiful. Um, and so if you're looking for that and you've been scarred, like, first of all, I'm so sorry, that you've gone through that and you've experienced hurt um, from people. And even right now, if there is an anger that you have toward God, God's a big boy, God's a big girl, God can handle it, okay? Um, You go be angry. I've had very angry journal entries toward God and outbursts of like, you know what? This, This is crazy, right? And cussing and all the other things. I've done it all. You're safe because if God knows everything, God already hears your thoughts, so you don't have to hide nothing, right? Just be... Just be transparent <laughs> and just be honest. And when you are able to stop feeling like you need to be something to have a conversation, like you got to straighten up to have a conversation, a relationship, you're not in a relationship. This is, it's fake, right? Nobody wants to fake. Um, the title for my first book that God gave me was mm-hmm. you don't have to fake it with God. And so you don't have to fake it, especially when you think about like sex and sexuality and people are like faking orgasms, Right. You don't have to fake it with God to pretend that it feels good and make all the, do all the things to act like this is a really good relationship when actually you're in pain and you're hurting. Just be honest, right? Um, If you're in pain and you're hurting, be honest. Like 
Why did you questions like, why did you allow these people to teach these messages that you knew were harmful? Like, why did you allow that? Have those, have those conversations, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and in a safe environment where you can come to with someone who can help you get to a place of peace with that. Um, But be brave with that, right? And be vulnerable would be my advice for someone in that position. Mm. I like that a lot. Looking at the relationship as like a personal Mm -hmm. individual, like relationship, you know, you come with the ups and downs in those moments where you're just like, why did you let this happen? Why are you letting this happen? You know, and being in the, in the space to not be afraid to, to feel the feelings. Cause like you said, God sees everything. (laughs) You might be cursing in your head. Just like, I want to tear everything down. You know, and then you just like when, you, when it's time to pray, yeah. you're like, Heavenly Father, Heavenly like, who Father. is that even? Who is that person? <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> just like, I'm gonna wait. Right? They're like, I've seen it all. Like, I know how you feel. Here, I remember in the beginning of my journey, when I was like celibate, and I was like the time of the month, and I'm like, oh, I'm so horny, and I'm like sitting trying to do devotional with God, and I'm like, I should probably focus on the Lord and like be, you know, put my worship music on. And I just heard God very clearly say, you know, you can talk to me about that. Like, I'm not a prude. Like, we could have this conversation. Because I was like, I want to have sex. Like, I want somebody. <laughs> um, and we were able to have a conversation about it instead of me, like, trying to suppress it and put it to the side because God deserves my mm. uh, purity. Like, that's weird because it's not true, right? God des- wants and deserves your truth. And so it's okay to give that um, and, mm. and be in that with God. Yeah. That's powerful. You can you can tell God that you're yes. horny. Whoever's listening, yes. just know that God already knows that you're horny. And you can you can like be like, I'm angry right. today. I'm right. angry at you. I'm angry at the world. Yes. I'm angry at everything. And like to know that you're still loved, yeah. even as you go through your human emotions and this human experience. And here's the cheat code. It's okay. Here's a cheat you know, code like for that. You're, you're good. For the emotions. Uh-huh. The beautiful thing is we have a history right? We have the root of why we experience these triggers. Because when you're triggered or have an emotion, it's never about the thing that's right in front of you. It's a response um, to what you've experienced in the past, right? And so when you're presenting in the current moment, anger at whatever, even if it's at God, God doesn't have a judgment on that anger. Because even if you don't remember where that started, God remembers where that started with you because God's been with you and has memories of your childhood that you don't even have. So God knows the root of it. And so it'll be like, I don't know, kind of makes me want to cry. It'll be like God mm-hmm. getting mad at like a three-year-old girl because she was rejected. And now she lashes out because she's experiencing rejection in the outer world. And even from God, feels like it's from God. And God being like, how dare you be feeling rejected and angry because of that? Like it wouldn't make no sense. And so if you're, in the experience of anger, in the experience of sadness or whatever, whatever the emotion is, and you think that God's going to judge you or divinity is going to judge you, just know divinity has a memory of all of who you are and knows the roots of those things and is ready to have the conversation to not only just heal the emotion that's happening now, if that's where you are, but to also heal the root of it, right? And so that's why it's a safe place because God has awareness of all of who you are. And it's, Bring all of that to you, right? You okay. That just spoke to my heart because I was like, "That's I've never looked at it from that perspective of like this this higher being that has seen you yeah. literally from the moment before you were you came to exist right. as a little tiny human on Earth, 
It's like if they were there yeah. with you this a whole entire time, you know, it's like they know that this moment that you're feeling yeah. is tied to this thing. You know, so it's kind of oh. like a built in therapist. If you think about it, it's like mm -hmm. they know your triggers and they know that, like, you know, exactly. you're exactly who you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And you're going through the human emotions. Yep. That's literally why we're yeah. here to go through the human emotions, which we can't avoid no matter yeah. how far we try to run from our own selves. Thanks. We always come back to the same place. Mm -hmm. And my last question, my last question for you is for the people who are pushing mm -hmm. the evil, mm -hmm. the hate, the hatred, specifically the hatred mm -hmm. towards others. It could be because of their sexual identity, because of who they love, because of their gender identity, because of mm -hmm. who they pray to, because of how they pray. What message do for you the people have who are pushing for the them? hate? Yes, for the people who are using God to funnel their own personal, you know, yeah, their own personal hatred towards others. I often don't speak directly to those people, um, but if I were to mm. have a conversation with them, I would ask them who they believe God really is. Like who describe the character and the nature of God that you see God as. And if they see God as an angry and hateful God, um, they are probably experiencing a relationship with God that where they feel God's hate towards them. They feel like God is hateful and angry and evil mm. and harsh um, with them. And so they're in much more pain than the people they're inflicting because they, you can only give what you have. And so if you're giving this much pain into this world, I can only imagine how hard you must be on yourself for little mistakes that you make or things that you do wrong. Like I can only imagine the amount of guilt and shame and condemnation that you exist in because of that. Because if what the, the scripture says out of the fullness of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so if you're speaking this, right, this mm. evil and this hate and God wants you to do this and God desires you to be that, you are in that living that. And so as the healer, my question would be, do you desire peace? Does this feel good for you? Right. And, you know, as Africans mm -hmm. having the colonization um, coming in and us holding so strongly to these beliefs of being anti-gay and anti-homosexuality, um, we almost make it synonymous with being African and not understanding that those ideas were put into your society by colonizers and there's a fear of going against what is natural because there was real consequences connected to this, right? And so some way, somehow, in order to keep the society and your community safe, you try to do everything that aligned with what they told you you needed to do. And now that they are no longer physically present in our societies, they're still present in our mind. And we think we're trying to keep each other safe from a harm that no longer exist if we don't want it to. So we're protecting against something um, mm. that was in response to genocide and hate and mass murder and pain and colonization, like all of these things. And so it's, it's, um, it's, it's like in our bloodline um, as Africans to think that this is normal for us to behave this way towards each other because we had other people coming in. That's why it's very comfortable for me to have a white Jesus, because if you present a God that looks like you um, as a white man, I make you God. 
And so whatever you tell me must be true and right. I must align to that so that I and my family stay alive. And so it's a survival thing. So in the African community, if you're spewing these right. things, what are you still trying to survive from? Like you're still in survival mode, right? And so do you want right. healing? Like, do you want to live? Do you want to live, right? Now that's if they catch me on a good day. They catch me on the wrong mm. day. <laughs> okay, if you catch me, if you, you catch me off. on the Spiritually wrong day, <laughs> if it's the day, right? <laughs> I'm gonna read you the filth with my if scripture. You catch me on the day <laughs> like, where I'm like, you know what? Listen, let's have this conversation, right? Because you know, my mom when I came out, my dad like disowned me for like a year. He's fine now because um, I didn't even give any energy to that. Um, and my mom had this response, I'm her only child. And she like went off like, maybe if you get married, I'm not sure. I mean, all of the things. And she's fine now. They're all fine. And the reason why mm. um, I think I was able to protect myself from going into what we often as queer people, when we get rejected by family, go into of this like rejection thing. Because um, this is very similar to the people who are like spewing the hate and the evil is being very clear on especially if they're in your family do you love me like mm. is the are these ideas greater than your love for me and if you truly believe in the power of the god that you say that you serve your prayer should be enough to change me and if it's not changing me then you need to go talk to your god about that drops mic that's Just it drop the mic right there like me. thank you damn that shit hits deep Cause I remember when I came out, I didn't even come out. I think my mom found like my love letters Aww. that I had written to like a crush or something. And she started praying for me and she was just like, mm. you're an abomination. And like all the words where yeah. I was just like, this is not even you speaking. This right. is not even the voice of my mother speaking. It's the voice of the church speaking. It's the voice your of fear. your fear, literally yeah. based off of what your peers are going to think. And it's like, just mm. coming to that place of like, do you love me? And yeah. what are you going to do with right. this love? You can't pray the gay away. Right. It's been right. however many fucking years. Come I'm still now. here. I'm happily married to a woman. And it's like, you still right. praying for me, mom? Like, you still praying for me? Are you are you trying to say that my identity is more powerful than your God? Because, like, yeah. if you were as close as you were right. and he answers all prayers, it's yeah. like you're waiting for that one day. And that day is never going to mm -hmm. come because I'm still going to be me at the end of the day. And when it comes to specifically African, like, the ideals yeah. of, like, homosexuality is a Western thing. <laughs> Where I'm like, the Bible that you're yeah. reading, what? And I ask you the same question of like, do you know the origins of your Bible? Do you know where the ideas of Christianity came from and how they got to our land? And the method in which this was like deeply, deeply, deeply harmful to the ancestors and, the, and your great, great, great grandparents. It's like, do you know that they were like beaten until they believed this? Like, do you know that like the shit that they went through for you to be at the place that you are now? And like the conversation from there, it's just like, whew, you see where the brainwashing comes in because it's just like they just redirect. It's never a yes, actually, I do know that this is where it came from. And this is my choice to still believe in this, knowing the harmful history. And it's just it's mind blowing. It's wild. But I believe there's hope. I believe that love is enough to conquer all. And I believe that when people start to form their own personal relationship with God and the way that they understand the teachings and the ways of their their scripture, regardless of which holy text it is, if you get to the fundamentals of it and you you have your own relationship, I think that's enough to transform how you see the world and how you can coexist with everyone else, regardless of what they believe. 
Because then you don't feel the need to be a missionary to everyone that you meet because you can just be like, I have my own relationship. And that's enough for me to move through this world comfortably knowing that like, I'm no longer in survival mode. I'm not fighting for a place in heaven. You know, I'm not fighting for love. I'm not fighting for something where it's just like, we can all just coexist. And it's been, it's been incredibly eye-opening talking to you personally. I know that I'm walking away with a whole lot of knowledge and wisdom and I can just sit back and be like, damn. My my relationship with the creator, with God, with the ancestors is going to be transformed That's because awesome. of this conversation. Thank so you. thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for yeah. sharing your wisdom with us. And I want to I want to plug all the places that people can come to find more about like the work that you do, the books that you have, the podcast that you have, the different workshops, because there's a whole lot. You got a whole you're literally <laughs> like a, a toolkit. Um, the website is yema.com or confidentlyqueer.com. Then in June of 2023, I have a new book coming out called In Order to Know God. It is a 40-day devotional for queer Christians to help them build their relationship and a deeper connection with God. And so that is super exciting. So yes. And um, if you would like to work with me as well, you can always slide into my DM. That's where the conversation starts for us. So yes. And I've had the best time having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. Love. Community. Healing. This is all life and life.